0: So, so good to be able to gather once again on a Sunday. I, I know it's raining again this Sunday. Praise God for the rain. But uh, I know it makes it a little more tricky to get here. And I'm glad to see we have a, a full house as we celebrate the next to last day of Advent. Um, we've already pre-recorded the Christmas Day sermon, which you can just press play on on Christmas Sunday. And uh, what we're going to talk about that day is the Christ candle. So that's the, uh, the bigger candle in the back. But we've dealt so far with hope, peace, joy, And today is love. And as we consider love, man, we're talking about the love of Christ. And so who who are we that God would love us so much to send his one and only son? Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. As we think about Advent, the term literally means sent. And so we are grateful that Jesus is sent to us. A born Jesus is what we celebrate during Christmas. There's lots of amazing things, as I've said every week around Christmas, that we enjoy. We enjoy the lights and the christmas trees and the gifts and some of you enjoy the the hallmark christmas movies come on somebody uh, I, i'm grateful to god that's almost over i've said this before same storyline right there's this old boy that's sent to this old farm that's about to go under and this old boy is supposed to buy the farm and when he gets there he finds this pretty girl that inherited the farm and they don't like each other at first but eventually eventually they do And there's some trouble even in the midst of liking one another, but it comes full circle and the movie ends with them kissing under the mistletoe. And then the next movie rolls in and it's the same storyline over and over again. Uh, Some of you enjoy that over Christmas season, but the truth is, man, Christmas is all about Christ. Christmas is all about Jesus being sent to us. And I'm going to take just a couple of minutes today because we have a special opportunity at the end of our service today to really lean into a mission moment. We had a really cool missions moment in our first service. We're going to do it again where Pastor Drew comes out in just a few moments. But I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about the love of Jesus and paralleling that love with our need to hear the gospel, to receive the gospel, believe the gospel, and to go and tell others about this Jesus who has died for them. So we're going to camp out there for just a few moments. If you grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 10 this morning. Bienvenidos, hermanos y hermanas. Abran sus Biblias en el libro de Romanos, capítulo 10, verso 7-10. Correcto, señor? Segundo? Sí, sí, sí. 10, sí, sí. Gracias. Está bien. Los dientes me es muy malo, pero está bien. So here we go. All right, so Romans chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 17. If you remember, we dealt with just one verse last Sunday, verse 16. And we talked about how there were many who rejected the the truth of God's Word. And it says that they have not obeyed the gospel. And there was a quote from Isaiah. There's many quotes from Isaiah here in Romans. And so Paul is pulling from this Old Testament uh, scripture, these Old Testament documents to show Uh, that, hey man, this is not a new thing. God's had a plan all along, yet you've rejected the Messiah that has been sent to you. Prior to 16, we see Paul spending some time talking about the need to believe in the gospel, but in order to believe... You have to hear, and in order to hear, you have to preach, and in order to preach, you have to be sent, and then he says, how beautiful are the feet of those that carry the good news of the gospel, and he says, but hey, man, there's there's a lot of you that aren't believing, so we're picking up here in verse 17, where uh, if you're willing and able, please stand in honor of reading the Word of God. If you're there, we say amen. It says this in verse 17, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. But I I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For, again, here's a quote here from Isaiah. Their voice has gone out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses, this is Deuteronomy, says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation with a foolish nation. I will make you angry. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Verse 20, then Isaiah is so bold to say, I've been found by those who did not seek me, I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Verse 21, this is similar to what we see Jesus saying when he enters Jerusalem and says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers uh, her young, but you have not come. He says, but of Israel, he says, all day long I, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. May God bless the reading and proclamation of his word today. You may be seated. Just a couple of quick comments of what we see so far here in this text. We see Paul is quoting Isaiah and he's saying, Man, there are so many of you who by heritage are part of Abraham's lineage. However, and this is a theme that we see throughout Romans, however, you have not personally responded to the gospel. And there's such a great need here for you personally to respond. To the gospel. Why? Because baptism does not save you, even though baptism is important. Communion or Eucharist does not save you, even though communion, approaching the Lord's table, is important. These things do not save us. We have to personally respond. And so when it talks about going to a different people or this idea of jealousy, what he's speaking of is going to a different nation, to the Gentiles. So even though you're my people, my chosen covenant people by physical descent, even though you've rejected me, you need to know I'm for the nations. It's like the great banquet table in the book of Luke where Jesus sends people out to go and invite people to come and eat his people, yet his people have excuse after excuse after excuse. And so he says, hey, I tell you what, don't worry about that. Go to the highways, the byways, the hedges, and you tell them to come. And so now he has this great banqueting table made up of people who are not physically descendants of Abraham, but they are spiritual descendants of Abraham. So Paul, once again, makes very clear that the gospel is for all people. But in order for you to really know who Christ is, you have to hear the word and by faith receive the word. And so this gospel must come from the word of God. And when we receive the word of God as our own, we understand that that is where our treasure is. This is where our hope is. Now, I know that when it comes to our faith, man, faith can be attached to feeling. Our faith creates a lot of feelings. It does. I think about my buddy, Armand, who he's in our life group, and man, he's a big muscle guy. And every Sunday that he's here, when the singing is happening, he's weeping. He feels something. I tease him. I say it's because Pastor Sean's that bad, right? You're just crying, but that's not it. <laughs> Pastor Sean is awesome, but that's not why he's weeping. He's weeping because he's feeling something. He's connecting with the Lord of his life who has saved him and changed him forevermore. Our faith does that, man. Maybe you've heard a sermon and you've been moved by the sermon or maybe you saw someone do a good deed and it just so stirred your affections. This is what the gospel does. There's feelings that's attached to that, but do not misunderstand this truth. Our faith is not built upon feelings alone. At the core of our faith, it's built on the Word of God and who He is. A, a similar example, perhaps, is marriage here. Do you remember, those of you that are married, when you first, when you first started dating your soon-to-be spouse? I remember that very well. January 8th will be uh, 19 years for us. I think back about 20 years ago when we were dating. And I remember being on the phone with my, my soon-to-be Bride And and man, we would be on the phone late into, or I'd say it this way, early into the morning. And I would say this, when it was time to go, I would say, hey, you hang up. She'd say, no, you hang up first. I said, no, I love you too much for that. You hang up first. And we would play that game for about an hour or so until somebody eventually hung up. But what happens over time, and I love my wife deeper today than I ever did 20 years ago. It's only grown stronger. But can we say our feelings can do this? Like she'll call me now and she'll be like, hey, can you stop what you're doing and listen? Why? Because we can shift. We can change. Our feelings can adjust. If our marriage was based on feelings alone, we would be in trouble. The same is true of you. If your faith is built on feelings alone, we are in trouble. Our faith is not built on that. It's built on the solid rock of who Christ is. Nor is our faith built on the eloquence or the passion or the charisma of the one declaring the truth of God's word. I'm fully convinced this is why a lot of people shift from church to church to church, because they're looking for something that gets their feelings and their emotions high. And so I like the pastor and his delivery or his style. I like the music and their delivery and their style. I like this about the church. I dislike this. And what we do is we're chasing, feeling, feeling, feeling. I'm not saying it's wrong to change churches. I think convictionally, sometimes there's times for us to do that. But my point being is oftentimes we chase after a feeling or we chase after the one that's delivering it saying man this is all about jesus man it's all about him so as we consider why we gather we consider our intention and we consider our attention we say man we are not here just to check the box we are not here just to show up and enjoy the show we are here to hear about who christ is and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what church the word of god that's what we need So when we approach Christmas, we approach this season, what we are doing is we are approaching this with the mindset of, man, I want to get something from God today. As John says, man, the word was sent to us in flesh Jesus was sent to us so that we know who he is and we respond to him and we trust him even through the doldrums of life even through the difficulties of life even through the hard times even through the times when we're just a little bit confused and we don't understand we say God my faith is not built on feelings alone my faith is not built on the one who's proclaiming it to me my faith is built on you and your word my hope is built on nothing less than what church Jesus blood and righteousness right I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is what hey we need to know that all other ground is sinking sand but in the truth sometimes we like to get our foot in it sometimes we like to run towards that old sinking sand Sometimes we like to go towards that stuff that we feel like promises us a lot of security, a lot of hope, and a lot of satisfaction. But what do you do? You sink. Why? All other ground is sinking sand. So on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. I wonder today, are you standing on the solid rock of Jesus? I wonder today, as you approach this moment that we have together, as you approach this time of worship that we are enjoying together, are you standing on the solid rock of Jesus? We must never forget his love for us. I read a story. I don't know if it's true or not. It was during one of the wars. And one of, during one of the wars, this little girl was a casualty by default where she faced this tremendous injury and she was losing blood quickly and they could not find anyone that had the proper blood that they could transfuse uh, transfuse into her to help her to survive and so they're asking around asking around they finally come to her younger brother and they say hey what about you and they test his blood and his blood is just right and they ask if he's willing to give his blood and he's shaky man he's shaky and he finally says yes I'm willing hospital beds and they extract the young boy's blood to give to the sister so that she could hopefully live and as he's laying there he was so anxious and so shaky and he eventually takes a very deep breath and he asks a question he says when is it going to happen i said what what do you mean well when am i gonna when am i gonna die you see he thought what was meant by him giving his blood to his sister was him giving all his blood To a sister, so a sister could live. But the doctors quickly helped him to understand that your body will create more blood. We're not taking it all. You're going to be fine. We're just helping your sister. But he was willing to give it all. Two implications here. Number one, God gave everything for us. Jesus, the one who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of god so here's what happened he became not his sin but mine past present the ones i haven't gotten to yet he died for those he purchased those he he is atoned for those not only that he has given me the righteousness of god so now, when god sees me he doesn't see a sin sick sinner he sees one that is covered by the precious blood of jesus this is the gospel so that's the first implication the second one is are you willing to give it all have you came to a place in your life where you have said you can have it all here's my life god again i i think christmas is one of my favorite holidays i enjoy christmas eve services i enjoy time with family most of the time and by that i mean extended family most of them are all right you know what i'm saying otherwise i'm in the woods and I, i'll see y'all later so anyway um i enjoy all of that but man the thing that i love about this time of year is our brains are thinking a little bit differently we have this tendency to hyperfocus a little bit around christmas big things look bigger right they're magnified because we're in this season where we're feeling family and then for others there's like the season of loss and so that can be magnified either in the good or the negative there's just a lot of emotions around it i would say this to you if you want the best christmas you could ever have (laughs) man receive the word of god and this is not just for the unbeliever however That is certainly half of what I want to talk about today. If you look at verse 21, he says of Israel, all day long I've held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. There's certainly an implication here. of Man, there are people out there who have heard the word, heard the word, heard the word year after year after year and their lives have not been changed. So as I think about Christmas, I think about the people that God in his kindness has allowed me to witness their life being transformed. Let me give you a couple of examples. I met a deacon who was 77 years old whenever he declared that he needed to give his life to Jesus. Imagine that for a moment. A deacon, 77 years old, stands up in his church after a sermon and says, I've heard the word, but I've not responded to the word. I've responded in my actions. I've gone through the rite, the ritual, the culture of church, but I need Jesus, man. Wow. I remember Mr. Junior. He uh, was one of my deacons at my previous church and I was hanging out with Mr. Junior and he said, can I tell you a story, pastor? I said, Mr. Junior, please. Mr. Junior's a, a tree man. He loves pine trees. He's got acres and acres of pine trees. I mean, he's got 12, 14,000 acres of pine trees. You harvest pine trees about every 18 to 20 years, and man, we can cruise that timber all week long, and he's cutting every year. That's how many pine trees he's got. Very successful, big-time tree man. Also has a big cattle ranch. Mr. Junior's pretty cool, pretty cool fellow. Um, he said, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. He said, I want to tell you something that happened to me when I was 33 years old. I said, well, tell me, Mr. Junior. He said, "I was out on visitation." He said, "You see, our church used to do that, where we'd get a visitor card, and then we'd show up at their house, and we'd go in, and we'd share the gospel and all that kind of stuff." So I was out with our pastor, and we knocked on somebody's door. We went in, and he said, "I've been a deacon, I've been a stand-up man our, our whole life. I, you know, very involved in the church, serving the church." He said, "We was out on this visit, knocked on the door. They opened the door. Our pastor started sharing the gospel with this this family." And as he was in the middle of sharing the gospel, he got to this point where it says, Jesus, it's very personal. Jesus died for your sins. He said, man, I ran out of the house. He said, and I got in the truck. I said, well, what happened, Mr. Junior? He said, the pastor came back in. And he asked me the same thing. He said, you sick? What's wrong with you? Junior, you okay? He said, pastor, I don't think I'm okay. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, when you were sharing the gospel with that family, I realized that me personally I never responded to the gospel he said I need to get saved I believe pastor he said well you're going to be a deacon I think that's a good idea (laughs) so they got, got saved man and you know a lot of times you think the whole church is going to come against you like who man you've been playing this game he said the whole church rallied around me and when I was there he was an older man and he was serving as a deacon and he was a man he was a staple in that church those are just a couple of examples, but the examples go on and on and on. I know I gave you two deacon examples. The, the, the point of that story is most of them need to get saved. I'm joking. That's just a, just a joke. I really am joking, guys. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but the point of that story is even if you're in like a leadership role, I've heard of pastors getting saved, you know, um, people who've been in church their whole life getting saved. I think the point of this is as you look at Israel, they, they took it for granted. Oh, God's chosen people, physical descent. We've got all that we need. We've got, man, the way that, that we function is by nature, uh, evidence of God's people. But Paul is saying, nah, man, I was one of you. My name was Saul. And it wasn't until God got my attention that I realized that I needed to hear the word of God and respond in faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So my question is, what about you? I think there's two kinds of people in the room. I think you've got on one side, there's some folks here that, man, you are the examples that I just gave. You are someone that's been to church, maybe it's even your first time, but you've never responded to the gospel. And today God is saying, come, come to me and you need to trust in him and you need to give your life to him and you need to be saved. And I'll just say that clearly, man. I hope you trust in Jesus. I hope you give your life to him. And I hope that today is that day that you have literally I'm going back to the Christmas example. I love Christmas. I hope you have the best Christmas ever. Cuz you will, man. Trust me. You will if you say I want to give my life to Jesus. The other side of this is you're saved. You're here. There's Christians in the room. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we living a sent life? Meaning, Paul says that, man, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So are you living a life that says, I want to tell others about this Jesus? I spent, I don't know, 10 minutes or so talking to Miss Amy Wilkinson just after the first service and she was so excited to tell me about a couple of people that she works with that she's had the privilege of just sharing Jesus with. That's the life that we have to live. And she says, Pastor, that's not three people. I only got two right now. I'm praying about the third one, but I wanted to tell you about it. I'm like, man, I love it. That's the initiative that we've had is find three people this year, man, and tell them about Jesus. Are you living a sent life? We are called to fan the flame of missionaries and people who are giving their life to serve in their Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. We're called to assist them, encourage them, help them in your life groups. By the way, if you're not in a life group, get in one. In your life groups starting in January, you will have a missionary family assigned to you that you're going to pray for, encourage, love on, care for. That's awesome. And we're going to do that. The other side of that is what are you doing? Right? Like, as Miss Amy shared, who, who are your people at work or in your home or in your neighborhood that you need to share the good news of the gospel so that they can hear and so that they can believe in faith? Remember, Jesus came for all peoples, all peoples. There's not a certain grouping of here's what they look like. Like, the thing that we love to say here is we're not going to be the church for everyone because there's lots of great churches around and we don't have the room and we, you know, like, we're not going to be the church for everyone, but our goal is to be a church for anyone. Anybody can come and anybody can meet Jesus. And we're not going to shift on truth. We're going to give you the truth and anybody can respond to that truth and be saved by the powerful and mighty hand of God. Amen? Amen.